Hello, I'm Lottie Mack and this is Modes of Making, the podcast that focuses on the process before the piece. Each episode I'll be talking with someone new about how they do what they do. And today we have someone very, very exciting. We have Rosa Majora. That's Majora, right? Majora. Majora. Yes. Majora. Majora. <laughs> <laughs> More Italian than that. An amazing freelance set and costume designer for the theatre works, as well as an art director specialising in fashion shows. I'm really, really super excited to have you here today, Rosa. Um, you're an extremely talented and renowned freelance theatre <laughs> and set designer. You're known throughout the industry as well as an art director. And I'm really, yeah, you, you have an insane roster of experience from over the last 30 years, would you say? Yeah, maybe a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. 30 plus years-ish <laughs> experience creating sets and environments that enhance and uplift performances. Um, right. I was really, really excited to get you on today because obviously set's something that I myself am trying to get into, but I don't know anything about the industry. I just know that there's this like beautiful world that exists, but I don't know how you navigate it or anything. So this is going to be a really personal kind of podcast for me. And I'm really, really, feel really privileged for you to be here today. So oh, hello, thank Rosa. you. What a lovely welcome and introduction. I don't feel I need to introduce myself. Maybe if we could talk us just so people can get to know you about your journey. So let's go all the way like back to when you like kind of really realised that you know, you were a creative, I don't know, you just, I guess, like, because it's easier for when, like, someone's a painter or someone, you're like, when did you realise you're an artist? But, like, yeah. when did you realise that, that I wanted this? to w be a theatre designer? Yeah. Well, I, um, me and my sister used to usher at the Lyric Hammersmith Theatre as a kind of a, you know, mm. like, holiday weekend job. And I saw a show there um, that was called Total Eclipse, um, uh, written by Christopher Hampton. He does a lot of screenplays as okay. well, uh, film. And I was just blown away by the production. And at that point, I thought, I really want to work in theatre, but I know I don't want to be on the stage. Um, and so obviously when you're working as an usher, you see that play like, I don't know, million times. loads of times, yeah. um, every time you're working. And I, I suddenly, I just had this epiphany that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to, I loved the set and I just thought that's what I want to do. I want to be a designer. So I must have been 16 then. Yeah. So that was that was it. After that, there was no question. And it was just by chance that you decided, you and your sister, to get a job in that theatre or like you lived in the area? You we lived in that area. Theater. A few other friends had got jobs there and then you pass it on. We ended up working in the wardrobe there. You know, it went on for a while through the like holidays. You built your way yeah. up into like different yeah. areas of it and stuff yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. So like grew quite naturally. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. so felt nice. Like, uh, Felt like a second home, actually. Oh, that's and so it's nice. interesting because I'm actually going back to do a show there this year. Did you study like set design, or was so it just like? Then I did my A levels, and then I ran away to Paris, um, oh. and I uh, I did a sculpture course there and worked um, in a hamburger restaurant and studied sculpture there for a bit because it was three-dimensional, so it kind of was going towards the way of theatre. And did you did you choose sculpture because you're like, okay, sculpture is something I can study and it can lead me to theatre, or were you just like, sculpture's interesting, let me do that? It, I think at that point it was Paris was interesting and I quite wanted to do some art there. <laughs> and I did sculpture because I'd heard of this really brilliant tutor via somewhere else. I can't quite remember how it all came about. I studied there for a year, um, knowing that I had to get a portfolio together because I wanted to do an art foundation. So I obviously had artwork from my A-levels, yeah. but um, I wanted to uh, uh, get a better portfolio to 
get onto a found art foundation. So where were you, what was the kind of institution that you were studying at in Paris? It was, um, well, actually, it was through the American School of Art, but I went separately to this sculptor's, sculptor's studio and there were lots of students there and we all used to do sculpture. Wow, what kind of sculptures were you making? So I was doing quite abstract clay um, sculptures. Again, they were quite... Um, Brutalist. They were quite um, architectural rather than kind of soft forms or na- natural mm-hmm. forms. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to, I guess, your yeah. growth and where you're at now. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's insane. I'm really, really jealous. <laughs> I'm so jealous. That sounds like an well, insane in, time in life. It was easier to do those things in those days. And of course, you know, uh, now you've got Brexit. It's not going to be so easy. Yeah. yeah. Fuck Brexit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> ditto. Ditto to that. Um, so then you were in Paris and then you went and did an undergrad, right? Yes, yeah, so I UK. did an art foundation. I came back and I did it in Manchester, okay, um, nice. which I loved. I fell in love with Manchester. Going back to do another show in Manchester this year as well. So many um, moments. <laughs> and, um, uh, and then I applied from doing that foundation. I got a portfolio together to apply to Central School of Art in London, which was one of the only art schools at that time uh, that did theatre design as a course, three year. One of the only bachelors only of art. Well. Yeah, so I think Nottingham did it at that time. Mm-hmm. Wimbledon, well, I'm not even sure if Wimbledon started doing it. Wimbledon, someone will cor- correct me, although they don't know when I went there. Um, and Central School of Art. Um, and it, it was, I mean, in those days there were only 17 places. Wow. It was it was a tough on, on one to get course. on. Yeah. And you did that? Yeah. I, I got a place. Paris helped you with that? You um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I worked really hard on my foundation. Because, yeah, it was the, I guess the portfolio had to be quite different to the kind of work that you were doing. Yeah, I had to do something towards theatre. So I was reading a lot of plays and I was doing... I actually did a lot of screen woodcut screen printing, but I based them around um, a set idea of plays I was reading. So I was kind of pushing myself towards that mm. anyway because I really wanted to do the course um that particular course um yeah so, like so gave brief gave yourself your own briefs yeah and yeah, made yeah, yourself yeah. I have, th- there were yeah. great tutors as well that really kind of guided me and supported me um uh, in Manchester and uh yeah and then I I got a place it was kind of it was the way you did things it was the way you got into theatre predominantly in those days because mm. um you know, it really taught you about model making, 3D, reading scripts, interpreting. You know, it was a really big course, technical drawing, all of that kind of stuff. That's really interesting. In my head, I've just like, obviously, I know that you'd read the script to make the set, but I didn't know that it would be such a foundational part to the set that you make. In my head, it'd be like, you read the script, the director tells you how they want it to look, and then you go for it. But is it like quite... Everyone will have a personal way of working. Everyone's different. That's what's so exciting and that's what keeps theatre so interesting. And some directors are very visual and they have a very, very strong, clear idea. And then you kind of interpret that idea for them. But predominantly for me, and any of the design comes from the characters and their worlds, whether you abstract it or whether you keep it to the period. or. But for me, it's really reading the script um, that inspires what I then create for that. Interesting, you said that your focus is then on the characters first yeah. and then you build Because it's going to be their them. world, isn't it? Mm. It's going to be their world. That's really beautiful. In my yeah. head, I'd be like, uh, in my head, I just think, you read the script, it's like, it's a leafy green forest. And you're like, you do, you get green. a lot of that. I've yeah. got a script at the moment that's got 15 locations. Wow. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, the reality is you can't, you can't do that. And if you, even if you did, 
the locations are like going from one and back to another and it could be very boring and repetitive if you had lots of moving pieces. So it's trying to work a way to create that world for those characters with a sense of where they are. Hmm. Yeah. Sometimes it's very easy. It's one location, it's one room. And then other times it's 15 locations. <laughs> Keep you know, is it, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. you know, um, and writers can be very descriptive like that. Mm. Um, so I think it, it is, it's, I love collaborating with, I do a lot of new writing. So obviously I can't collaborate with Shakespeare or anyone because he's not around anymore. But, but I, I love collaborating. Um, I like collaborating in general with all the departments, but um, I love working with the writers, obviously with the director, lighting designers, everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you finished university and then how did you apply everything you've learned and all this passion that you built up? going into you know the well, real world kind of uh at, at the end of your year we you have a degree show and what happens there is lots of people come and look at your work and you might get picked up by uh, a big designer or maybe a up-and-coming director um and get some work um but what happened with me is that um there was some connection with our course and again this is you know our great links with europe and the french embassy and they offered me a bursary to go and work in France what? for a year <laughs> brought you back? with a re- with a really um, quite a big well known designer. Um, so I went to France to work with this extraordinary designer called Jacques Gabel, who was uh, designing a couple of shows. One which was going to tour the whole of Provence all through the summer and end up at the Avignon Festival, which is one of the biggest international theatre festivals oh in gosh. Europe. Um, and you were assisting this yeah, I assisted him. Yeah, so I assisted right from uh, doing the model, working on the model, um, working on all the ideas, and then on location because the set moved all over the south of France, basically. Oh. Everything was open air, so they bring in the seating, they bring in the lighting rigs, um, and then we kind of just, we would do little alterations or quite big alterations sometimes to make the set work in each of those locations. So I was very much involved make in the set hands-on. Make that architecture and Yeah, to like whatever that. the background was. Sometimes it was a mountain, sometimes it was a river. Some, it was oh, unbelievable, unbelievable. That is such a blessing. I mean, like you obviously uh, worked yeah. for it, but I mean, one insane. of the, I have to say one of the best experiences still. And I have such strong memories of that I learned so much doing that having that experience and working with that person maybe set you up in a perfect position to then go from there it's funny um I think it was great for me whether it set me up for coming back I don't know you think it might because of all that experience it didn't really work like that I got a lot of fringe work um which is smaller venues independent small theaters in place yes yes smaller less budgets it's kind of where lots of people experiment with their work so I did a lot of that and then I started meeting a lot of directors and then I started working with directors and then you know they would get bigger and you get a slightly bigger venue that has more people coming to it and which was um Theatre Royal Stratford East was one of my first big venues. Um, I did a show there with Indu Rubisingham, who is now artistic director of the Kiln Theatre. From that, uh, a director saw the show. Um, her name is Katie Mitchell, another very big theatre mm-hmm. director. And she had a show going on at the Royal Shakespeare Company and asked me to come and design. Trust me, there are a lot of moments of no work. There were a lot of moments of no work. Yeah, um, And... Theatre, uh, everyone knows, does not pay very well. Um, and it still doesn't, mm. if I'm honest with you, no matter how 
far you go, unless you get a massive West End that you end up getting royalties for that goes all over the world. So that's why I started doing other work um, Which alongside. Art direction? Or? Well, I got into art direction, one person particularly that I ended up working a lot with who did these extraordinary events, um, crazy, crazy jobs um, all over the world, the Cannes Film Festival events. Wow. And yeah, you know, I, I love being backstage. That's why I like being a designer. I don't particularly, you know, like one of my worst things of my job is when you start first day of rehearsals and you have to present the model to all of the actors, all of the theatre members, you know, it's huge. And I, I still hate it to this day. And I've been doing it 35 years. Because I'm like, if I wanted to be on the stage <laughs> presenting something, I'd be an actress. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and I still I still find that really nerve wracking. Yeah. Maybe let's go into a little bit of that because I didn't mm. even know that was part of the process. Yeah. So maybe let's speak you know, this is modes of making. We yeah, yeah, absolutely. How things yes, are done. Yeah. Um, the process from beginning to end. So you okay. get an email or you get a call from someone. They're yeah. like, we got this show. Yeah. Boom. What? At, so that normally happens? comes from a director. Normally you hear through either an agent or someone else that a director wants, has a show um, uh, and they want to work with you on it. And so what happens is you get sent the script. Um, I, I, I read the script um, and then I have a conversation with the director about what I, my initial thoughts and um, and then what will happen, you know, apart from... Is the that where you ask any questions, like you yeah, try and yeah, understand and try fully And if what it's it a director I haven't worked with before is to try and get a sense of if they're visual or what their vision is or what their needs are for this production um, in a, basically a three-sided space or sometimes it's a pros arch, which is basically a traditional theatre. So you have almost like an opening and then... You're, you're set behind it, as it were. Back into it, yeah. Sometimes it's a thrust stage, which means it's three-sided audience. So you've oh, okay. pretty much just got the stage. Yeah. And sometimes it's in the round, where you don't have, you know, your audience is all around you. Do you so, have a favourite? Um, no, they're all challenges, um, <laughs> and they remain challenges. And different challenges. And I think it really depends on the piece. So basically what happens then is you, um, so you have your meeting, and then what? how I do it is I, lots of theatres will have a model box, so it's a scale one to twenty-five model box of the theatre space. Oh, so they already have that for you. A lot then. of them already have it. Sometimes you have to build them from plans that they send you, but sometimes they'll have them. So I'll either build the the model of the theatre, or they will send one. And then what I start doing is, and again, it's all it's all evoked from the characters and their world. I'll start putting shapes, just shapes in the set, just cut out bits of card, put shapes in. Interesting. Um, Figuring out the composition, is it? Yes. Yeah. Um, and then I'll develop those shapes further and I might have two or three options, uh, say if it's an interior that then turns into an exterior or whatever it is. And then I'll have an initial meeting with the director and say, this is kind of what I'm thinking. And at this moment in the play, this could happen or, um, mm. and then... Do the sorry? Do the shapes represent different things, different shapes, yeah. or is it? Yeah, um, they can. I mean, it might just be you know. Uh, so, for example, um, a smaller uh, scale piece. So I did a, a show at Hampstead Studio downstairs last year, um, and it's just set in a beauty salon, right? So it's how to lay that beauty salon out, where we get the best visuals, we get the action of them coming in from outside. There's a toilet out the back where they take the coats and the customers go. There are two units where they can do massage and treatments. So it, that's pretty straightforward. 
and the director wanted it as real as possible because it's set present day. But it's how you position those things so that all the action is seen and that the flow of the show um, works well. So I will, so yeah, exactly. So I will have like, so um, a window looking out onto the street with a door. So a quick cutout, um, a couple of um, uh, uh, little units for, for doing massages or whatever and, and know that I have to have an accent and then play with those shapes around the set uh, around the in the theatre space and work out what those will be then the next stage is to make them a white card of the real thing so a we have this card. process so you do um, mm -hmm. you do a white card model and you do uh, you have little images of what the finishes might be and that's so that the producers and the production manager can cost it at that stage to get a costing of it. Right? Okay, so that's you're talking about the materials that you'll use and to build the set, mm -hmm. um, and that gives them an idea of what it is and whether we've got enough budget or not enough budget. And at that point, if we haven't got enough budget, we look at cuts and where we can change things. Then you get past that process, and then you do the final how model. Is, how is that process? Is it? Oh, it can be painful. Yes. Yes. You have these big ideas and they're like... Yes, it can be nope. painful. And I'm pretty... You know, over the years, you get to um, understand budget. So you kind of... I always ask what the budget is. However, things have really changed post-Brexit and COVID. Things have got a lot more expensive and, you know, um, it's been quite tough. So mm. um, you, 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 when you start, you always know what your budget is. Um, so sometimes, yeah, the cuts can be huge. Um, uh but you make it work and yeah. that's the whole beauty of you know the challenge yeah. of it do you have any tips for adapting to those different budgets i do i have a good one so yes. what i <laughs> i'm sure i'm not the only one every time i design a set i always put added i put elements in that i know that i would be happy if they got taken away right okay. which means subliminally when you put it all in and you get the costing done and there are cuts made, you know already what you're happy to cut that won't really compromise your overall Interesting. Work. I mean, if they do stay, it's a bonus. Yeah, exactly. Okay, interesting. Yeah. That's really smart. Yeah. It's like you, little... you just learn that. over. The, yeah, yeah, it's kind of mind game kind yeah. of thing, but it, it, it does work. There's always have something that you're happy to cut because even if you're way over, you know, at least you can start with something. Mm -hmm. And it helps you. Yeah. Okay, I so, think so you do... The shape composition, figuring it out, and then you do the white. Sorry, what was it called? The white. It's called a white card. So white it's card. all done in white. Wow. Um, like, before do you, do you put like any paint or any finish, stuff. yeah, foam board, card, yeah, um, wow. anything. Sometimes anything you can find, depending on your budget as well. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> um, obviously materials all cost a lot as well. Yeah. So I have thirty years of piled up bits of card <laughs> that I won't throw away just in case I can make a, I love that. a chair out of it or something yeah. <laughs> for a model. Um, so yeah, so white card that gets costed. Then if we get a go ahead, then I do a final model, which is all detailed paint finishes, uh, you know, detail molding, whatever it is mm -hmm. it needs. Um, and then that's the final model that gets costed again. And then hopefully that's it. And then, so you've done the models, everything. They're like, okay, we love this set. It's mm -hmm. perfect. You've broken down the budget. Everything's mm. going exactly how we planned. Yeah. From model to opening night, what Oh, happens? okay. So model, so then we have rehearsals. And on the first day of rehearsals, I present the model to all the actors that are going to be living in this model world when it's real size. Basically. Wow. Everyone. 
So the lighting designers, sound people, marketing, everyone comes and oh. looks at the idea and the model. Um, so I present the model, all the reasons why we've got to where we are, what, you know, um, referencing the stories, the characters. Um, and then I show some costume drawings because I also do costume. Is it most of the time design. do you do both of those things? I'm a, yeah, <coughs> I pretty much always do both. Is there a reason for that? Do you think that they, they, have, I think they, they have to be done? The language for, has to be the same? Uh, no, there are a lot of people that work, work separately. There are costume designers, and the, but then I guess you work together. But for me, I think because a lot of the costumes and the colours come from the characters and that feeds into the world that I'm creating, it feels, it feels like one job, really. Natural to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you're 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 showing it to everyone. You're like, here's all the set. Here's mm-hmm. probably what you'll be wearing, or is that a completely different conversation for the costume? Then I'll have the the costumes up, um, and but then I'll have separate one to one conversations with okay, the actors, cool. yeah, about their costume. And everyone goes, "Wow, we love this set. This is so great." And then yeah, you're well, like, sometimes okay. you get in- extraordinary silences where you think, "Oh, they haven't got it, or they don't understand, or they just <laughs> don't know what to say." <laughs> like, but generally, thank God, I've been lucky. It's gone okay. Yeah, and then how? So as set designer, you're in charge of sourcing all those materials. It really depends, again, on the scale of the project. So normally you'll have a production manager who will take that model to a a set builders. And they will build it. Um, Nice. I mean, in the old days when I first started, yes, I'd be making a lot of the stuff. Yeah. But now the process, and generally the process is this, um, that the set will be built. uh, In rehearsals, you'll mark out everything on the floor. And sometimes if it's a complicated piece of set, like a rake or a moving piece of set, they'll have a rehearsal um, piece built so that the actors are used to what those elements might be. Like a light-scale model type thing. Yeah, yeah. So a, a model of what the, the real-life one will be. So if, if there's a balcony, like, so at the moment I'm doing a show and there's a balcony, so in the rehearsal room they will build the steps up to the balcony and uh, um, build it so that the actors can get used to it and also we can work out timings for so how they get there. I was going to say that the scale yeah. in, in response to like, yeah. you've got five seconds to go up all of these stairs. Type exactly, thing. and then we can work out all of that, whether that someone has to run off for a quick change or, you know, it's all, it's, yeah. Yeah, so it's wow. Kind of <laughs> how did you, I guess, like the, the larger scale of things is like really fascinating, but, you know, when you were just starting off and you had these things and you had these designs going through, what was your approach to making these sets that obviously you've manifested in your mind and then made physically to dealing how you deal with small budgets to make sets that you want to make possible? Well, I think then you creatively, you think differently. Um, uh, And you, uh, you, you normally have a team of people like stage management team that can help you with some of those build things. And then it, it really is what you're capable of doing. Um, or if not, you start pulling in other people that, you know, might be chippies and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it really varies. What I love about a, a, a small budget is, ha- in a way, you you have to be creative differently. And Within it's quite exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, Do you find as, your work is slightly more abstract when the budget's smaller? Or yes. Not? I think generally, yes. Yeah, because yeah. I feel like any all the works that I've done so far, which obviously are nothing mm. in comparison, but I like... I like to abstract things because I feel like it's way more difficult to make realistic things on a small budget. Yeah. And so I feel like abstracting things allows things to be kind of wrong and kind of uh, resourceful in the materials and things like that. And I think also what it does is it opens up um, a, a world, a sense of a world where you don't have real detail 
because you don't have budget, but it gives a sense of, of that world. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So um, I think, I mean, I, I've done a lot of mixed stuff, again, uh, a lot of abstract stuff, but very often, it, you know, it's whether it works for the piece and B, it's whether that's what the director feels is right because a director might say no I'd rather if you've got no budget I'd rather have an absolutely perfect real Louis the 14th chair or <laughs> something you know, and that's it that will make it work you know just go from so, that yeah. interesting I love that so I guess we've kind of do you think that we've covered all of the process there I think that's all the process to opening so what happens so you do rehearsals mm -hmm. the set is built you go into the theatre for what we call tech time Lights and Tech, yeah. So the set goes into the theater, um, and the lighting goes in, and the sound, um, and that's quite a uh, can be quite a frightening. I still get very nervous when the set's going into the theater, mm, um, but then as soon as the lighting designer puts his magical work on, it always looks amazing. And then the actors come in, rehearse on it, and we do, and we tech with lighting and sound and um, getting on and off and quick changes and costumes. And then we open to what we call previews. So sometimes you'll have five previews, sometimes you'll have two. And these are like test shows in a way. So okay. you have audience that come, they normally know when they come and see a preview that something might go wrong or it hasn't quite finished or okay, cool. technically. And then you have a press night and that's your opening night. Mm -hmm. And then the show runs, but my job is finished then. Okay, so after it's out into the public, yeah, you don't have to be there every night in no, case something chips and yeah, then you've got no. to paint over it and stuff like no. that. Well, I yeah, in the early days, I'd have to yeah. come back and do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you would. But generally, you're contracted until press night and then that's it. Yeah. yeah. Just going back to all the way when you have to start model making at the start, I just love that because in my head I was like... The main thing that scared me about set design and approaching it in the first place was that, like, I don't know CAD, I don't know whatever the no. softwares are, SketchUp and all of that stuff. No, that, I'm that, starting to learn now, but it, like, scared me off at the start because I was like, damn, I don't know any of this. I'm not trained in any of this. I think... But you don't use any of that. Well, you have to work to a scale. So you have to work to a 1 to 25 scale. That's traditionally the scale in theatre. But the minute... It, I was terrible at maths. I was awful at maths at school. And, and that and was now the biggest. It's quite architectural. That, that was my big fear when I did the course was technical drawing. But now, the minute it just made sense, it just makes sense. You know, when when you start working to scale, you'll see it just it makes sense. Everything it makes total sense, together. and that's all you need to know, really. And then, of course, you do. I do do technical drawings, but they're not construction drawings. They're just so that I know that everything's going to fit. Pen to paper type. I do pen to paper, um, and now. Um, if I'm doing a really big show, sometimes the theatres will have CAD drawers, mostly, that I will sit with them. So if it needs to it. get digital, you can just sit down yeah. with them and they go... And then sometimes them. I employ young, brilliant digital drawers to work. Okay, that leads me on quite nicely to like another question that I have. Mm. Is that when you're starting to work you know, with junior designers or assistants mm. or you know anyone, mm. what are you looking for when you're, when you're hiring or choosing uh, to work with these normally people? Normally good model makers to start with. Interesting. Is that the main thing you think you yeah, need to Yeah, because that's very, it or? takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of time. And um, uh, depending on how busy you are, that's the thing. And, uh, you know, if you want your models, well, I like my models to look really beautiful then. Yeah, model making normally. But also, I really like working with young people that just want the experience, that might not have that, but can do a little bit with me, come into the theatre, learn what a tech week is like learn how you run rehearsals things like that 
So yeah, yeah. beautiful. So um, uh, an assistant that I worked with recently um, at the Globe, uh, she had graduated and she was with me the whole time, but we did a lot of costume stuff together. She was in rehearsals a lot. She did lots of prop work with me, you know, um, uh, and it's great. She's working on this show now as well. What so. made that person so good to work with? Do you feel like they were hungry or they had this certain eye for something? She, yeah, she definitely had a great eye for costume, um, but also, yeah, really innovative. Um, and yeah, really, yeah, she's really want. She's going to do very well. Yeah, she really wants to work in theatre. Yeah. That's so exciting. Yeah, for yeah. them and yeah. for you to be working with yeah. them. Yeah, well, she's getting lots of little jobs. So yeah, yeah, she's oh. she's going to be. That's beautiful. Yeah. Sorry, going back to the models again. Mm. I feel like I'm no, obsessed with models because yeah. I did my foundation in 3D and spatial, so I yes. made like some yeah. some models. But they, they're looking back at them now. They're like so funny, but like I love it. I have a real fascination for it. And you know the RA summer show. Have mm -hmm. you been to it before? And they yes, have that whole yeah. room full of the architectural yes, models. Yes, beautiful. It's beautiful. always my favorite room. Yeah. I love yeah. it so much. They're really beautiful. So I was going to ask, do you keep all your models? I try to, but, you know, they, they take up a lot of space. Um, but, yeah. It's interesting because I think a lot of um, designers who do, like, really, really massive, massive shows in the really big theatres very often use um, architectural students to do their models. Makes sense. Yeah, totally makes sense. And their totally minds are sense. so mathematical yeah, as well, yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's a completely exactly. different ballgame. Totally different. So, you know, like... Um, uh, Designers like Ez Devlin, I don't know if you know, mm -hmm. she doesn't just do theatre, she does like extraordinary exhibitions. She always uses architects, oh, uh, okay, students. Cool. <coughs> Sorry, I'm going back yeah. to the models again. So yes. you have the model that's with the abstracted shapes, mm -hmm. that's a physical model, and then you have the white model, which mm -hmm. is just the clear model. And that's the way I work, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, I love the way that you work, yeah. this is interesting <laughs> for me. And then you have the final model of what it will look like. And is yes. that really, that final model really realistic looking or is it still kind of abstracted because obviously it's um it, it, de it depends if it's an abstract de design then it's an abstract design but it will have more details like um like if there's if there's a pane of glass in it or there's a, a certain painted element so it'll be really really detailed um whether it's realistic or abstract but it'll be what you want your set to look like in the theater and when you're holding with up paint finishes and everything because then when the painters come and see the binary model, you talk with them about the finishes you want. Oh. And then the scenic painters will come and do that. So it's completely used throughout pr the so process. Throughout, yeah, so throughout the rehearsals, I drop in and out of rehearsals to see how that's going. Um, at, but then I, because I'm also, you're also responsible for all the props, choosing all the props and designing the props. The must props must be really quite difficult because there's like so many little niche things as yeah. well. Yeah, and also a lot of them, you, you know, won't be discovered that you need until in, you're in rehearsals. But then what I also do is then I'll, what part of my job will be to go out to the workshops, see how the build's going, look at paint samples, all of that. Yeah. So that's it's nice because you're you're really involved in it yeah. um, all the way through. So going back to props then, yeah. For small budgets, do you have any tips and tricks for, you know, getting your hands on the props that you need? Well, um there's a great system within a lot of the theatres, uh, where a lot of them do have smaller stores like some costume stores and prop stores in and half. yeah and, okay. and they're very good at loaning or hiring for very little money also the theater schools like lambda mm. and rada mm. they're pretty good and very often what happens when you're working on your first shows there'll be students from those um uh those schools those drama schools that will have studied stage management and they'll be on your job and they'll be able to get loads of freebies do you know what Perfect, I mean? Because yeah. they've been there before. So it's a lot of that networking goes on and support, support for all the theatres. Um, and again, 
we always try to do that because reusing is better than um, uh, constantly buying new stuff. Yeah, like going you know to Ikea, I mean? buying yeah. a plant for the yeah. set. Yeah. yeah, you know. And of course, you know, the obvious charity shops and all the usual eBay Mm-hmm. done it all you spend a lot of time on ebay sometimes going through the or did you use uh, it i guess yeah 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 oh yeah getting a bit lost yeah yeah, yeah 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 definitely <laughs> yeah. definitely yeah yeah you do you kind of go off other paths that's really fun um i used to have this thing where i used to say to people <laughs> i'd sometimes do a set and kind of think i'd really like one of these chairs so i think this character would like one of these chairs so let's get one so i can buy it afterwards yeah yeah. It's a good way to move. I mean, yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in my house that's from shows I've done. Yeah, I, I love point that. them out to you. Yeah, I'd love that. <laughs> I don't know if I mentioned, but Rose is also one of my best friend's mums. <laughs> Shout out, Amelia. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so then I was kind of, kind of like coming to the end, I guess, now. Mm-hmm. So I guess what, I know you don't want to pick anyone out in particular, but what some of the big highlights of your career would you say some so uh, far I, i'm gonna say uh, I, i've some. been some okay so one of my uh, highlights is um there's a there's a theater well there's the globe theater which is the big outdoor traditional shakespeare theater <sighs> but they have a little theater called the sam wanamaker theater which is their winter season because when it's cold you know you don't want to do the open air stuff yeah it's a tiny little theatre. It's um, Jacobean in in design, and it is only lit by candles. Wow! There is no other light, so the whole show is lit by candles. So actors have to light themselves holding candles. There are chandeliers that come in to light the scenes. Everything has to be lit by candles, and it's the most extraordinary um, experience to go and watch a show there. Um, but it's yeah, it's extraordinary to design there as well really you makes you think a different it. way like you know if someone's holding a, a, a prop then you think of a way that you can put a candle in it and maybe magnify that candle to give them more light it's it's really it's uh, it's one of the most extraordinary ways of designing that, oh, that's uh, insane. That worked yeah i really need to yeah. go and experience yeah that, I think. yes definitely so when you did that do you think you focused more on did you do costume for that one as well i did costume for that and um yes what you really, um, the res- real research I did on that was a- about, I looked at lots of old paintings that would have been painted by candlelight. Wow. Or the interiors would have been candlelight because candlelight, the colour of candles has a slightly different effect on colours of clothes and things like that. Yeah. Um, and then obviously, you just have to be careful about big swooping skirts and candles on the floor and things yeah, like that. But, <laughs> uh, but everything is flambard, what we call flambard. So it's flame retarded. Oh, um, okay. uh, props and anything else that you have that might be... Um, in danger of going up in yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah so that that really really was amazing and then on the kind of more commercial side I did this amazing job in um, the, the south of France uh, for the Cannes Film Festival oh. and we did this party like a crazy party in a venue called um, it's the Pierre Cardin House um, and it's up in the hills. You can look it up. And there is not a corner in the architecture. It's all bubbles. All the rooms around. Wow. Bubbles. Um, and we did this crazy event party there for about 3,000 people from the Canton Film Festival. Um, and your role there was art direction, I assume? Or? Yeah, art direction. Yeah, for that wow. whole mad piece. Um, we used to do things for MTV. Used to, um, they'd kind of back films for the film festival and then have these amazing parties that we used to 
design. And I create. guess we didn't we didn't really go into your art direction, but that's okay. But any, that's one of my memories. That's yeah. one of, like an extraordinary experience. That well, yeah, I mean, just unbelievable. We're gonna have to get you back and do a special episode <laughs> on the art direction and things like that because Aww. that's also another area. And, you're yeah. literally everything I want to be so this is really great but um <laughs> oh. so like art direction is another thing that I want to do but I don't yeah. really know much yeah. about that so maybe we can get you back another time yeah. and we can go into that a little of course bit in definitely. season two would be nice definitely definitely okay beautiful so um any to close we kind of ask people the same kind of questions mm-hmm. and that starts with any major lessons learned or something that's gone wrong along the way that you've learned from I've had, uh, you know, there was one occasion where I started on a job, um, it seemed to be going well, and then there were just um, artistic misunderstandings between myself and the director, and the best way for it to be resolved was to, I, we, we separated waves and um, oh. didn't didn't finish the project. So I guess it was, it was like learning we'd to We'd kind of that. start, yeah, it, it just didn't make sense. Um, uh, so that does happen. Um, hopefully never or rarely that's happened once to me but I think you, you can have artistic differences um, you start a project thinking you're going the same way um, but I think the wonderful wonderful thing for me about theatre is is reading reading the plays and doing all the research around it and research do as much research as you can because it really feeds everything about what you put into that world and what might come up through rehearsals mm. gives you kind of a you know, a shorthand um, and collaborating. It's the best thing. I think you asked me this um, mm-hmm. b- before. The, the the model making kind of is quite a, a lonely process, mm-hmm. even though you've been collaborating. But uh, but the, and then and then obviously when you come into the rehearsals um, and all the other people in different departments that you work with, it's really great. It's it's really lovely to see all the different layers of what makes a theatre piece happen and I think people aren't aware of how many people and how many different jobs there are and um, how they make all completely these... rely on one another yeah yeah mm. actually well it, I think they should I think we'd all be better off if we all did communicate and collaborate together yeah yeah oh yeah. that's really beautiful thank you so much this has You're been welcome. really amazing and I guess is there anything coming up this probably won't be out until like April end of April times mm-hmm. but over summer is there any shows that people could go and see your sets or anything coming oh, up? Oh I've got two shows um, one is in Stratford-upon-Avon at the Royal Shakespeare Company Wow uh, which I think opens in July and then my other one is at the Royal Exchange Theatre in Manchester What's that show called? Um, that one's Great Expectations Wow my mum will be so aghast about that one <laughs> okay, one of my it's, it's, it's re- okay it's set in Calcutta in the 1900s Wow Yeah Um so it's a very interesting um, take on it. And the one before is um, called The Empress. Um, uh, and that's it. Yeah, Royal Shakespeare Company. Wow, that's so exciting. Everyone go and go watch those yeah. to see how <laughs> it's a bit of a learned how it happens. Now <laughs> yeah. we can see what it actually looks oh. like at the end. That's really exciting. Okay. And the one question that we ask everybody mm-hmm. is, what's one point of inspiration that you want to leave our listeners with? So that could be a, re- a book recommendation, an artist recommendation, there's something that oh. inspires you, no matter what it is. It could be literally anything. That, again, that's a do. I mean, I, I still, for me, it's art galleries, art mm-hmm. galleries, and 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 books. You know, What's printed your art photographic gallery? book. Oh my gosh, I don't have a favorite because they're all so different. I mean, I love mm. Tate Modern, um, mm-hmm. uh, but I also love the Royal Academy for its classicness and classic works. But I think. 
you know, if I'm stuck, if I'm stuck in front of an empty model box and I can't get into it, I, I go to the galleries. I go to the galleries. They feed you. Yeah, they feed me. And also somewhere like the Tate, it's so huge. There's so such dramatically different work, you know. And then books. I'm a glutton for art books and, and magazines. What's one art book that stands out to you? I Oh my god. Um I, oh gosh, I've got so many. I I art books basically, all art books, mm-hmm. different artists, yeah. you know, different and sometimes I forget that because it's so easy to go online now. Yeah. And the thing about going online is you can get lost in a trail and actually go off your subject without realizing it and mm-hmm. be in totally the wrong period or something. But I just think there's something about uh, real paintings or art books that that helps you linger on them and 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 see more detail if that makes sense. But then mm-hmm. I am older, not digital. No, it makes complete sense. I mean, I'm the same. Just, I have so many books. Whenever yeah. I'm interested in yeah. something, I'll order a book instead of read about it online. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I do exactly the same. This exactly also same. helps. I guess it's kind of what you were saying about you don't go off on a trail. You you stay for hyper focused on. Yeah what you're reading at that time yeah i mean don't get me wrong i use a, i use a lot of the internet and it, yeah. and it is quick and it serves you know but like you say i'll find something and then i'll i'll get the book but um research 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 can't go wrong and it feeds you you know beautiful i love mm-hmm. that thank you so much for coming rosa this oh. has been absolutely amazing thank you thank you so much well thanks for coming bye <laughs> <laughs>